If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome back into the Savage Situation podcast. It's your host here, Adam Savage. Good to have you guys here. And we've had such an amazing couple of seasons. We're back with a third season. Now I have a co-host every week, Ian Chambers. And we've got so much coming your way. And we have guests coming on. We're talking about the gaming world as well as, you know, things like online, lifestyle, sport as well. So it kind of encapsulates kind of everything that we like. And we hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, one thing that's really going to help grow the show and expand to a bigger audience and broaden its horizons is if you guys do leave a review. It's really important important to subscribe and follow to make sure you never miss an episode but reviews are so key to getting us as high up the charts as humanly possible so that everyone can hear our brilliant podcast that you guys obviously a massive part of as well i do make sure to leave a five-star review if you can that'd be amazing with a comment as well and hopefully it'll boost our show to outer space and beyond enjoy this new episode it's a banger if i do say so myself i would say that though but genuinely enjoy Hello, welcome to the Savage Situation Gaming Podcast. I'm Adam Savage, and as a host across esports and video games, I've been lucky to work alongside a ton of brilliant people. I like to think I've gained a very unique insight into how the gaming world works. Whether you're a gamer, someone who used to play as a kid but you've slightly lost touch, or you're simply curious because you've heard that gaming can sometimes make you Hollywood money from your bedroom, this podcast is absolutely for everyone. Now, during lockdown, I've been chatting to special guests from pro gamers to streamers to the influencers who've become the faces of the industry, all about how they started and the experiences they've had in this ever-evolving world. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes are uploaded, and let's meet my guest today. Now, this week, we have a very special guest, Els the Witch. She's enchanted the masses with her brilliant gaming videos, taking the likes of The Sims to new places creatively and her unforgettable collaborations with creators such as KSI and Bazinga, as well as featuring on viral sensations like the Sidemen Tinder dating series. It's so good to have her on. She's got so many exciting tales to share with us. Uh, she's managed to combine video games, fashion, and sport like no other, and revealed here on the show, this is how it all happened for her. Now a presenter across the BBC Sports Match of the Day X and Premier League Uncut, Ellie's profile has risen significantly, but so has her need to squash online trolls and deal with some rather odd requests as well. You'll just have to listen to find out, okay? I'm delighted to welcome Els the Witch to the show. Well, my next guest is a spellbinding one. She's the first sorceress <laughs> we've had on, on, on the podcast. <laughs> Els the Witch. Els, I'm Hello. sorry, there were some terrible puns there around, around witchcraft there, but it's, it's, lo- right. it's, lo- it's, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about games and yeah. just my life in general. I mean, first things first. How how how's 2020 been for you? It's been a, it's been a crazy year. Yeah, it's been a weird one, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. It's been it's been mental. I know. What's it been like in lockdown and things for you? Have you been how have you been at home and things? Have you been with like family on your own? Like what's what's life been like? Um. So I basically I moved house at the end of February. 
and then but I live by myself and then obviously lockdown started in March and I was just like I don't want to be by myself during lockdown so I went back to my parents house just before we went into lockdown right. so I was there till sort of like the middle of May so about two months and then I came back to London because all my PC like all my gaming stuff was here and I was trying to keep up with all my YouTube things doing it on the smallest laptop and the render time was about seven hours for each video and I was like do you know what I can't do this anymore <laughs> so rendering takes forever oh okay it, like yeah. you, you can waste your life rendering things literally um. <laughs> I would have to leave it overnight like I would just leave it and then I'd wake up at like four in the morning it was still rendering and I was like oh, okay cool oh, it's just, it's, it, is, it is a nightmare it's a nightmare yeah, but I mean I mean I guess I guess you know when you're kind of away from home and, and you're and you're used to your setup as well kind of using a a foreign system so you're not used to using laptop pc whatever and something mm-hmm. like whoa i need to get my bearings here this is it's a whole new yeah, world it's a whole um, new world, a whole new world. <laughs> excuse the aladdin quote there as I well know. but um are you a disney fan not disney movies um i well yeah my sister's really into disney and she loves musicals and everything so i grew up watching all of the disney so yes. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a it's like my guilty pleasure i'm not like a proper fan but i do listen to it sometimes yeah, I like the soundtracks too. Yeah, I mean, Disney Plus came out the perfect time for me and my family as well. Like literally the day the lockdown started, I thought I've got the entire library now. There's no excuses. I'm going to watch every yeah. single movie ever. Do you know what I thought? I thought they timed that pretty well, didn't they? They did. Maybe <laughs> Disney started the whole thing. Whoa. I thought, I, so I had a conspiracy that Amazon and Disney started the whole thing just to benefit themselves. Because obviously Amazon, I order from Amazon all the time. Even during lockdown, I was just ordering random stuff that I didn't even need. Yeah, and... Like the- yeah, so I think Amazon and Disney, it's all them. It's like the, the <laughs> sickest PR stunt in history. Obviously, yeah. gaming has been a big part of it as well. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. I think people have turned to video games. We're going to talk all about that. But I want to start back where, you know, in the beginning of Elle's The Witch and, and her life here, take you back <laughs> to the wonderful, beautiful city of Norwich, which I think is where you were born. Um, yeah, I was born in Norwich. Okay, okay. What, what, was, what was life like in Norwich growing up? And what are the, what are the, I've never been to Norwich. What are the highlights there as well? You've never been. I've never been to Norwich. Yeah, I'm a, I'm it's a, a nice. Fan, so. It's a nice city, to be fair. Like it's it's a beautiful city, but it's quite small, so everyone knows everyone. That's what I would say about it. And I, so I'm from. I say I'm from Norwich. I am from Suffolk technically, but it's the nearest city, and people actually know where Norwich is. So I just say I'm from Norwich. But I went to boarding school when I was 11 near Norwich, so I grew up basically in boarding school from 11 to 18 which was fun boarding school was interesting um but the annoying thing was you couldn't game when you're at boarding school because you, you we didn't have any consoles or anything so I would just wait until the weekend so every Saturday I'd be like yes I get to go go home and play like the sims or grand theft auto or whatever and it was just like the best time of my week <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love that you've got the two games are the sims and gta I mean, yeah, they're completely complete. opposite ends of the spectrum, but I know. <laughs> that's how diverse a you are. I wasn't supposed to play GTA because obviously it's 18 plus. Yeah. And the BBC done some documentary around the time where I think San Andreas had come out. And my mum took it upon herself to watch this documentary. And then since then, she just banned me from playing GTA. <laughs> she was like, you're not allowed to play that game. There's too much violence. And I was like, right, okay. So I used to just go around my friend's house and play GTA all the time. I, I wish I wish my mum would watch a, a San Andreas GTA documentary. I, that, that sounds, <laughs> that's, that's a rarity. That's amazing. Um, I know, she, she, to, to be fair to her, she... Because me and my sister both loved gaming or we still love gaming. So she did sort of try her best to learn about why we loved gaming so much. Bless her. Yeah. I mean, are you, 
went to boarding school as well, which has always fascinated me. Like I've always kind of like, I think ever since watching the likes of Harry Potter, I've thought <laughs> that would be amazing. Obviously not boarding schools aren't all like Harry Potter. Um, yeah, everyone hey, assumes are... mine was like Harry Potter, but mine was a state boarding school. So we didn't pay for education. You just paid to uh, to stay there, I suppose. And it didn't, it looked like the opposite of Harry Potter. It looked sort of like a 70s retro kind of like concrete buildings that's the type of vibe my boarding school was <laughs> did, did Els the witch derive for anything harry potter related or from boarding school was this something that came out of came out later down the line no so uh, i got the nickname witch when i i think i was about 16 or 17 because i i have a tendency to complain but it's not about anything significant i just sometimes get irritable and i'll just complain about the small things in life so my friends would say instead of saying stop being the b word i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on this podcast or not but instead of being the b word they used to call me witch they would say oh stop being a, a witch or stop being such a witch and then it kind of stuck since then so even now they would just call me witch instead of my actual name so when i came to sort of thinking about what I would want my name to be online because at the time I was working like a full-time job and I didn't want them to find me online <laughs> so I was like oh what could I be and I was just like okay Elle's the witch that works so that's yeah. the story behind it wow I mean because th- yeah. I mean, the thing is as well I mean I, I can imagine I, mean, there are, I was I kind of get the same I'm quite I'm, I'm a heart on my sleeve kind of guy you know if I feel if I, there's something that kind of upsets me annoys me irritates me I let it out there I don't hold it yeah. in I can't do that I need to blurt it out I'm the you same. Know, the Got to let it out friends. and then you can just get on with your life. <laughs> exactly. It's like just <laughs> my kind of, viewpoint. <laughs> it's your it's your process, Els. It's your process, yeah. all right? If anything, they need to be more understanding about your exactly. process. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I like, yeah, obviously you're more family friendly. Els the Witch is definitely more family friendly than the, the B version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Els but the Witch. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 were, you went to boarding school and you were, you were playing with your sister and things and video games. What kind, of, what kind of games were you playing way back then as well? Did it kind of start on like the, the PlayStations or were you kind of anything more retro than that? So my first, actually, before we even got a console, my one of my aunties used to have a Sega Mega Drive. This was when I was really young. I was probably like three or four, but my sister's four years older than me. So she used to always play them and I would just watch. So we had Sonic and I just remember watching her play Sonic. We weren't very good at all because we were so young. We would die all the time. But I think that was my first experience with uh, what sort of a game games console is and watching it on the TV and stuff. Yeah. And then sort of, a few years later, I think I was eight or nine, my other auntie went traveling. She went on a sort of like delayed gap year and left her PlayStation 1 with me and my sister. Um, and it had Tomb Raider 2, um, Final Fantasy 7, things like this. So we, we had that. And then we just, my sister started playing it. I would watch her. And this was around the same time as the Game Boy Color came out with the Pokemon Red and Blue they came out so I those my first two consoles that I played so my first was probably like Game Boys I would say because they're just like really easy and then I progressed on to PlayStation 1 after that I mean when when Nintendo brought out the Game Boy Color I remember suddenly seeing like because way back in the day with the original Game Boy you had to lean underneath a window get the get the angle just right to to see what you're doing (laughs) yeah Uh, you know for me I think it was a whole cheat because they they have the different peripherals they have like the kind of like the the magnifying glass like the nightlight I had the magnifying and the nightlight yeah do you remember so that? Good. And suddenly, you can play it at night. Color. Exactly. It's like, it's like night mum, night dad, under the covers. I'm straight on to like playing Battletoads or something. But it yeah. was like, it was, it was like, I remember that. And I remember the, the Game Boy Color came out and you're right. As soon as everything was like in, where it had color to it, it, it changed the game. Like you were saying, yeah. whoa, this is next level. It's color. But the thing is, if you look back now, it was like three colors. It was like red, blue, and green. 
yeah. <laughs> it was it was, it was it was basic it was it was yeah. but, it, but any i would have taken anything at that point because everything was I so know. kind of like blocky and pixelated suddenly you have mm-hmm. a bit a t- even a bit of an rgb it looks yeah. great you know it brought everything to life for you I, mean, I remember I had, um, you know, the the microscope and the light thing that you spoke about. Hmm. I had one and I was packing to go on the year five French trip uh, where it was like a coach trip. So we all had to be on the coach. And I remember I packed the my PlayStation, no, my PlayStation, my Game Boy. And I had the magnifying thing next to it laid out on the floor. And my mum came in the bedroom and accidentally stood on the, no. the light and the magnifying thing and it broke. And it I was just crying because I, then I couldn't take my Game Boy with me because I couldn't see on the coach. Mortified. That the is worst. I think she was so upset as well. <laughs> <laughs> do you, when you're traveling now, do you still take, do you take like a, a switch or anything on the road with you? Do you have anything you play that's portable? Yeah, so I have a, a Nintendo Switch because um, I hate flying. Like I had a phobia until I was 18. I didn't even get on an airplane. So I still don't really like it, but I obviously go if it's for work or if I have to. So when I went to LA uh, last year, I got a Switch just so that it could occupy me on the trip. Um, so I play, what have I been playing? I was playing Luigi's Mansion, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart, obviously, Animal Crossing a bit during lockdown. I love the Switch because it's just so easy to pick up and just play. Oh, and you're playing all the kind of the signature titles there as well. Luigi's Mansion, you know, vacuuming ghosts. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, you love know, that. I mean, Breath <laughs> of the Wild's like one of the most beautiful looking games I think has ever existed on on, on like mm-hmm. kind of a portable device. Never yeah. mind a natural system, but um, yeah, some great games on there. I've, I've been grinding some Paper Mario recently. Oh, I've just, I have that. I haven't played it yet. I have, I, I do have it. Is it good? It's good. It, uh, the crazy thing is, like you mentioned Final Fantasy earlier on, it's, it has mm-hmm. like kind of like this kind of turn-based strategy system to it to actually kind of oh. fighting things. So yeah. I, think, I think you might like it. I think you I'll might like it. i definitely like it then. Give it a go. Yeah. Plus it looks really cool because everything's <laughs> kind of folded up in like origami style. It looks cool. Yeah. I like it. Okay, I'm going to um, play it then. But if you're, I mean, you're going on French trips, you're taking, you're taking your, your Game Boy Color away with you, you know, you're, 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 you're playing on the road did you have a friendship circle that was into similar things or were you kind of like the odd one out that no one else really gamed apart from you um no one that i can remember i had one other friend um and she had she had a nintendo 64 and she wanted to make some quick money because obviously when you're really i think we were like 10 or 11 at the time she just wanted to make some pocket money and she said to me she was like i'll sell you my nintendo 64 with it had like four games she was like for 20 pounds and i was like okay cool i'll buy it so me and my sister went halves on it put a tenner in each and even to this day she says to me she's like i cannot believe i sold you my nintendo 64 and it has it had like GoldenEye, Zelda Ocarina of Time, Mario Party, Mario 64 for 20 pounds. And she's like, what? I can't believe I gave that to you. That is a, that's the, the amount is worth the, now. I know. She's like, I'm still upset. Century. 25 years ago, this, as of recording this podcast, 25 years ago, I think last week, GoldenEye celebrated its 25th anniversary. Oh, like, that's that's how old it is now. I love gold. I've still got it. I have my Nintendo 64 in my flat and GoldenEye is the one because sometimes I take a picture of my TV whenever I'm playing like a new game and I'll always get a DM being like, is that GoldenEye? And I'm like, yes, one of the best games ever. Someone, someone um, recently, I think, because I mean, the game massively holds up. Like, it stands the test of time. It's still a classic. But yeah. I mean, the someone recently kind of um, cre- recreated, I think, one of the levels or one of the kind of like the maps in like using like Unreal Engine or kind of like a, like a 2020 um kind of like a development kind of like pack or whatever and it looked legit insane really? like it looked ama- oh god yeah i mean they, they remade that the thing is goldeneye doesn't really mean anything to the generation like now but yeah. the ones of yesteryear like the slightly older ones i'm putting myself in that bracket too the slightly <laughs> older ones uh you'd be like 
no way they may be remaking Goldeneye. I'm all over that. If they're doing it with movies, they've got to do it with games too. Yeah, 100%. 100%, 100%. Guys, so good. But that's a great I want tweet. them to remake Goldeneye. I, do re- I would love them to remake the Italian job as well because I just loved that game. I think it was on PlayStation 1. It was one of my favourites. Yeah, it was just driving all... around London in minis. Yeah, they had they had some good. Had, there was another game as well. It was it was called like the the Getaway or something. The Getaway game... Black Monday. That's oh, right. Such a good game. That Dude, was on PlayStation like... Two. Oh, so many. I mean, those those games they recreated like London in in the most insane, like Buckingham Palace and and Pall Mall. You kind of carting around thinking this is in, this is unbelievable. This is like my backyard. Yeah, and it's in a game. I, I know. Mean, it's, oh God, I think when they started doing that and kind of you know recreating actual things that, that, that exist today in video mm-hmm. game form, you were like, oh my, I can't believe this is a real thing. Yeah. You know, even now you kind of play like games like Bat- the Batman like Arkham series and you kind of see like Gotham, which is kind of Chicago, New York, but you can kind of get the scale of it and think uh, they've done an unbelievable job. You know, this, mm-hmm. it, looks, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. This is Did why you- I want them to do one in London or even yeah. just update uh, GTA Vice City, for example, just so I can see what it looks like. I just want to see all the graphics and drive around and... Oh, Man, I game, love that. old games. Vi- yeah, <laughs> me too. I love just nostalgia. Just for, just talking yeah. about. I mean, Vice City was a game as well that just blew my socks off because GTA Three came out and it was like a halt because I was so used to GTA Grand Theft Auto being kind of top down, yeah, you know, kind of like um, bird's eye view kind of thing running around the city. But suddenly you had GTA Three. I think it was on the PS One. You're running around. Everything's kind of like you know third person. It looks amazing. And then mm-hmm. Vice City comes out. And I'm doing the same thing, but better graphics on a beach with the most insane array of Hawaiian shirts. And I love a Hawaiian yeah. shirt, Els. I love them. <laughs> you know. They are impressive. They that are. game was amazing. I loved all the, the music as well, because I really love 80s music. Yeah. So I just love that game. And San Andreas, obviously. Great games. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just love reflecting. Um, I mean, you, did you, were you, was there, do you think there's a quite a stereotype attached to you? Obviously, you said you, there was you and one other person kind of gaming when you were younger. Was mm-hmm. there kind of like, you know, do you, do you think there are stereotypes now around you playing games as a, as a female in 2020? I think there's, it's like a different type of uh, stereotypes. When I was younger, I just gave up telling people that I liked games because if it was, fe- if it was like my girlfriends that I was saying it to, they'd be like, why do you like games? That's like really weird. Um, and if I was saying it to boys, they would tease me and just say, you're only saying that because you want to impress the boys and things like that. Um, so I just, for a while, I just literally stopped telling people I like games and just played them by myself. Um, and then it was, only, it was only until I really started YouTube that I started talking about games again. Um, so since I've started YouTube, it's, it's a different type of, it's like pre-judgment, I guess. So you say, I, I like video games and people are like, oh, but what games do you like? Like, you're not a real gamer. And I'll say, oh, I like Final Fantasy or I like The Sims. And they're like, oh, The Sims isn't a real game. You're not a real gamer. Or people will say, you're just, you're just saying that you like games so that you can get subscribers and views and things like that. So it's kind of, it's through, it's something that just follows you, I think, throughout life. And people are always going to judge. But as long as, you actually enjoy what you're doing. I don't think it matters. That's what I try and tell myself anyway. Not only like they say to you, uh, you know, um, oh, you're a game. What games do you play though? And you have to ju- yeah. almost justify that you're a gamer because you play certain exactly. games that they deem are gamer enough for you to be. It's just, that's just that's terrible. That's awful. Unless you like the, the popular, like the war zones and Fortnite and FIFA, then apparently you're not a real gamer if you don't like those games. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. That is on behalf of the entire gaming world. That is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Put your socks up, guys. Come on. 
I mean, I think, think you know, one thing that you've done in which I think is incredible with like with your channel and all your you know your social networking. So you've managed to combine in a very crazy unique way gaming and fashion and sports, which not many people have managed to do. You kind of combine, you kind of encapsulate well, all those you. different things. Were you apprehensive at all that having such diverse interests might like split your audience at all or anything? Um, I don't think so because before I did YouTube, before I even started YouTube, I had a small platform on Instagram. So I had about, I think about 20,000 followers and I just, just uploaded outfit photos. So I was always like, I'm always been into fashion. I could do, I like dressing up, doing my makeup nice and things like that. And my whole thing with even starting YouTube was that I wanted to showcase that you can really like gaming as well as being into fashion and being really girly and outgoing and then liking sport at the same time because I don't think you should be pushed into a box if you're a gamer and stereotype for it. So that was literally my main motivation, especially for uh, like a younger audience. I want females and males to look up to me and think I don't want to sort of dim my dim myself down to please other people. Like mm-hmm. I should be able to be interested in what I'm interested in and look how I want to look and things like that. So that's that was my main motivation. So it's, yeah, it's it's... <laughs> It's hard to keep a balance between it all. I think sometimes I just let it be and just I, I just try and balance out my content, but hopefully yeah. it's working. <laughs> it definitely it definitely is, honestly. Like, you know, all the all the work you've done, the videos and I've watched a ton of them, you kind of see there's so much variety to everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And and all of it's in, regardless of what you're talking about, it's all massively engaging and really fun to watch. I mean oh, thank you. I uh I think I think we I, I found that as well. Like with myself and what I and what I do in, in in video games, you know, there's I often post something, and yes, it's re, it's around gaming. But when I'm not twenty four seven talking about gaming, if I talk about something else that interests me, for instance, I kind of sometimes kind of kind of hesitate a little bit. Going, should I put myself out there? Should I say that just in case mm. everyone's like, I don't care what you think about crisps. All right, yeah. what I want to hear about is games all the time. It gets it gets quite tricky to manage that kind of stuff. It kind of yeah. I, I kind of second guess myself sometimes. It is hard. Like I really agree with you because I, it's hard, it's hard to find a balance between, you know, what content will do well on your own page because you know, your audience, like I, I like to think I know my audience quite well, but then it's, it's like a catch 22. Cause that sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to do this video, like of me playing the Sims or something. But then I'm like, I know that they wouldn't want to see just me playing the Sims. Like you have to incorporate sort of other interests into it, which is, for example, why I made uh, YouTuber Sims. It's like a series that I've been doing where I made YouTubers into Sims. And that's my way of, because I love just playing the Sims. That's my way of getting away with being able to play the Sims, but making it engaging to other people who wouldn't necessarily play the game because their favorite YouTubers are in the Sims game and they want to see like what's happening with them um, and things like that. So I completely agree with you. Sometimes I, on Instagram, I'll talk about music because I love music, especially like, 90s music and 80s music and because my audience is predominantly quite young they don't really know about that music so I feel like are they are they not going to like this because they can't relate to it but I just do it anyway because I'm like if anything I can just put you onto good songs and educate you on like my interests and things like that yeah so Um, it is hard it's a hard one (laughs) I'm I'm with you 100% by the way I love a bit of 80s and 90s yeah there's some great tunes out there like you know there's I mean I used to have a massive crush on Gina G do you remember her Gina G. No, who was she? She had a song called Ooh Ah Just a Little Bit. Oh yeah, I remember that song. Gina G, was it? Because she was like, there was Jerry Halliwell. I was really into redheads growing up. 
and Jerry Hallow- <laughs> Jerry Hallowart was my favorite Spice Girl. And something Gina G and it just knocked my socks off. But you know, I think I think eighties <laughs> and nineties music like there was some growing. My parents, listen, I guess you get you, you rubs off as well. If your parents listen to a lot of music, kind of rubs yeah. off on you and things, and just oh, it's just fantastic as well. But I mean, with your yeah. with your um, channel as well, I mean, with the video aspect of it, like did. You, did you always want to make videos? Was it something that kind of came naturally to you? Or was it something that kind of you just thought one day, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go and just see how it turns out. Um, I think it was literally one day. I just said, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know like with most people, it's like, oh yeah, when I was 12, I really always wanted to do it. Uh, with me, I, I worked in IT. So I worked for IBM for three years when I graduated from uni. And I never really like to put myself sort of in the spotlight I always wanted to help other people be like in the spotlight and things like that um but then eventually I just was like I I know that I'm not meant to be in an office from nine to five um working for someone else so I I I quit around the same time I'd just been given a radio show which happened really randomly because I talk a lot on my Instagram story and the head of the radio station found my Instagram and he was watching my story and he messaged me being like you're you're good at talking and you're quite like funny to watch do you want to come in for a meeting and I was like just like oh whatever like fine I'll try it and then he was like, I want to give you your own talking show and I was like oh I've never done this before but I'll try so we did a few uh, like pilots and then I started doing the show and it like it did really well so I was like you know what I'm gonna take a leap of faith uh I'd had some savings saved up from my job so I quit my job um so I was doing the radio had no idea what I wanted to do in the future I was just like I need to figure something out and I just had a light bulb moment sort of about three or four months later when I was think I was on YouTube and I just came across someone playing a video game and I was just like this is massive like there's this is so people love this so I googled I literally did top 10 female gamers (laughs) in the world and uh, there was so many like incredible women that came up Um, and then I researched sort of female gamers in, in the UK and this was sort of about two years ago two and a half years ago and loads of them came up but they were all specific in one game so I was like uh, there is sort of a gap in the market to be someone that is not just focused on one game, but just be sort of a presence online, sort of like a commercial gamer. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I went to my manager and I was like, this is my business pitch. Like I need some investment to like have my computer and stuff. And he was like, that's such a good idea. So then five months later, I just started my channel after sort of building my computer, teaching myself to edit, like branding myself. And then it just went from there really. That's incredible. That's incredible. And honestly, because I think I'm I'm with you 100% on the whole, you know, working working for yourself rather than working in office. I had the same thing growing up as well. You have this kind of like this, there's a feeling of like, I just want to be a, a bit of a pioneer of my own right. I want to do something else. I, I, a desk job just isn't for me. So yeah. I, can totally, I t- totally resonate with me. But I think it's it's amazing how you, because th- multi, you're right, multi-gaming is quite, it's quite a tricky thing to, to accomplish as well because people do sometimes go to channels specifically for one game. You know, they want to see mm-hmm. one thing over and over again done. You know, it's worked tons, you know, for people who play Minecraft and, and you know, kind of Call of Duty, you name it. Yeah. But um, to do it to do a multi gaming channel like your, I mean your Sims and Fortnite videos, for instance, have just blown up and they've gone huge. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I mean, what, what do you think it is about those two games that bang, that bang so much, uh, you know, for you as well as as a as a creator? Um, well, Fortnite I'm really bad at, so I'm assuming people just love <laughs> to watch me fail, which I think is a running theme on my channel because I I like trying out games that are popular at the time or that I know people want to see, so I will just try them and nine times out of 10 I'm so bad because it takes me a while to sort of get used to 
being good at a game. With The Sims, um, I obviously collaborate with people like when I collaborated with KSI, when he was going to come on the channel, I thought to myself, like, what can I get him to do? And then I thought of all the popular games like FIFA and things like that. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to get him to play a game that he doesn't really play. So I said, do you want to play The Sims? And he was like, yes, I used to play it when I was younger. Like, that's such a good idea. So we did that and it blew up. And I think that's why it blew up because people obviously saw playing The Sims with KSI and they thought, oh, I've never watched him do anything like that before. So I'm going to click on it. So I think that is where sort of my, my Sims content took off from. And since that video, I've tried to, as I said earlier, sort of engage people that wouldn't necessarily play The Sims. So I do things like create the Love Island Villa in the sims during when love island was airing on tv and then i made the wembley stadium and i made the staple center when ksi and logan paul were having their fight and now i'm doing the youtuber sims so it's it's about sort of thinking outside of the box and how i can sort of get away with playing a game that i love and bringing a new audience to it and them enjoying it so luckily it's worked for me <laughs> it's just genius i mean i mean as a, as a diehard love island fan else as well I massively appreciate the Love Island element. I think that's great. Yeah, I love Love Island as well. I love it. I mean, it's, I mean I'm so gutted it's not on this year because of everything that's I going know. on. It's just, I mean, I can't, and I can't, I can't bring myself to watch Love Island Australia. Not the same. Oh not no, I same. didn't watch it. No, didn't watch I'm it. just going to wait it. until R1 comes back. Elvis, I'm not lying to you. The, the the show right now for me. Have you seen Below Deck? No. What is it? Oh my god. Honestly, imagine imagine a reality show set on private yachts in the middle of the ocean where you follow the crew around, see what they get up to, and they just have massive millionaire guests who tip them extraordinary amounts of money. It's oh brilliant. Below deck, check it. Because I've, I've, docu- I've seen like a few documentaries on people, obviously like people that get hired for the summer to work on cruise ships or like uh, yachts, as you private yachts. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Do it. I reckon it's right on my street. I've binged <laughs> seven seasons in about two weeks. I'm addicted. <laughs> I've got a problem. Actual problem. Uh- <laughs> This has become like a show talking about addiction. I'm addicted to blow deck, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I want to talk about the KSI thing and I want to talk about kind of like the collaborations you've done because they're, they're absolutely amazing. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, I'm sure, question you as well, saying, how do you know KSI? How have you done a video with AJ Tracy? Like, how yeah. does it all come about for you? How, how have you grown your network so exponentially so quickly? So before before I started YouTube or even quit my job, I, I've lived in, I lived in London for, for sort of about three years before that. And as I said earlier, like I'm quite into music and a few of my friends well started doing music when I first met them and then became quite successful like in the music industry. So it was sort of a, an accumulation of going out in London, meeting people, networking and just becoming friends with people sort of in the music industry. And um, where I used to live in Stratford, actually next to the big Halo building where all the YouTubers used to live. But I, at the time, I didn't know anything about YouTube. Like I didn't even know who the Sidemen were or KSI and things like that because I was just so into like my own little world. And I go, I went to Gymbox and I met Vidal and Leon who then went on to train KSI. So I sort of became friends with Vidal and Leon. And that's how I um, new KSI sort of like through mutual friends so then when I came to, to do the channel it was like obviously I need to basically get subscribers if I'm being honest with you and how do you do that the best way is to be consistent be yourself and then collaborate so I kind of just tried to call in as many favors as I could with people that I was friends with and sort of that's how it happened but as you said it is hard because 
I want to celebrate sort of like accomplishments like getting my first a million views on the KSI video and reaching a certain amount of subscribers but then you do get people in the comments which is completely understandable from an outside perspective saying oh you only got this because of who you're friends with and things like that but I just try not to let it get to me I know I work hard but you, you, you do I mean I think I, I, I totally hear what you're saying as well because you know you have to take every opportunity that comes your way in this business you can't like mm-hmm. kind of go you know not everyone can grow not everyone can start back in 2010 like your pootie pies and whatnot and start right when the, the platform launches and then just be be there at the beginning of it all like ksi has as well you yeah. know people you have to kind of you have to network it's a huge part of it and meeting people and working together with other people and you're right once you get that big subscriber base of people that like your content who probably find you through videos that you've collaborated on you know with with other people who are mm-hmm. popular creators that's absolutely one of the best ways to get to get yourself out there you know yeah of course 100%, 100%. i mean and i'm what... always so, super grateful for ksi and all of the sidemen and just like the youtube community because the one thing i love about youtube is everyone's so down to earth because they're just completely transparent because what you see on everyone's videos is how they actually are in real life so I feel like everyone sort of knows each other before they meet each other so when you do meet each other it's just like seeing whoever you've been watching on YouTube and everyone just wants each other to build I think like accumulatively as the as a UK sort of YouTube scene everyone wants each other to do well which is quite rare especially like in a competitive industry so that's one of the the main things I love about YouTube yeah, it's, oh, you're absolutely right. Everyone wants to see each other succeed, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's a, maybe that's very different to the North American kind of like creator market. I don't, I don't know, but you're absolutely right. Everyone kind of wants to help each other get, you know, get get ahead as much as they can in the industry. One yeah. thing, one thing, one thing that's really kind of weird is that Stratford is like my neck of the woods. Like I live in East London, very close to where, <laughs> where you mentioned. <laughs> and I only, re- I don't, I'm sure you know this already. I only found this out recently, but apparently, this the YouTuber, the Halo Tower that you mentioned, where a lot of YouTubers went to, went you know, lived. The reason they would move there. Did you know what the reason for them moving there? Is like, I only found this out recently as well. It's because of the when it was the Olympics, that was the communications yeah. tower. So they obviously put really fast Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like they put the ridiculous like I think it was one gig up and download speed. So yeah. that's why they were like, let's move there because video's up in a second. I thought mm-hmm. that is genius. Of all the it places, is. obviously it's completely genius. And I, I drive past that all the time. But I mean yeah. we've we we We've got to talk about the Sidemen Tinder date series as well and the video that you, that you appeared on. Because some people listening obviously haven't seen this video and mm-hmm. haven't seen what happened. But ultimately, the Sidemen, as well, for the people that don't know the Sidemen, ultimately, seven, seven Sidemen, right? Seven. Seven of yeah. the, the, biggest, the biggest creators in the UK have formed the ultimate kind of like creator squad, for use of a better term. Yeah. And they've got this, uh, <laughs> they've, I mean, I think the Tinder dates videos. What was what was the experience like going to work with those guys um, and being in that situation where you knew that anything was possible? It was quite well. I wasn't nervous initially, so we all they were all filming downstairs, and all of uh, the YouTuber females that they'd asked to come, we were all sort of upstairs in the waiting area, and I was fine to start with, and then. As it sort of got nearer the time, all the girls started being like, you know what, I feel quite nervous. And I was I was fine. But then, you know, when people around you are nervous, then it starts rubbing off on you. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Because everyone's like, what are they going to say? Like, am I going to be embarrassed? And things like that. So eventually, like, just before I went in, I was sort of a, a little bit nervous. But in a way, I wasn't because I was just like, I'm just going to look at it like it's a bit of fun. And I know sort of, I, I obviously knew JJ, Toby, Cal and Ethan beforehand. So 
I knew basically half of them. So I was like, I, I know they're gonna ban to me because my sort of sense of humor is you can take the mick out of me as much as you want and I'll just kind of laugh it off. So going in there, I knew that they would obviously try and wind me up because I get wound up quite easily. Um, and I thought like all of them were fine. Obviously Stevens, when he said that I had a pancake ass and now the whole internet reminds me of it every single day. I was caught off guard with that one because when he said it, I was like, I don't know how to react because my initial, obviously, like most of my reactions is to start shouting about it and be like, can you shut up? <laughs> but then yeah. in my head, I was just like, I, I don't have a pancake ass, but the <laughs> worst thing to do in this scenario would be to turn around and say like, I don't have a pancake ass, look at my ass because that would be 10 times worse because then everyone would be commenting on my bum. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to stand here and try not to react and just let it blow over. <laughs> Honestly, do you know what? I, and I, and having watched the video, and I rewatched it before we we chat today. Yeah. For just just for just to get my head around the whole thing, because I mean, at this point, at the, at the point of recording this, the video has had over twenty seven million views. Like it's has been it? seen. I don't yeah, even know that. Wow. 20, 27.5 million views. Like it's gone nuts. Again, for the listeners who haven't watched any of the videos, ultimately, um, females in the industry come to uh, the side men kind of like filming experience, where ultimately they put across the worst chat up lines possible um, and see whether or not you'd swipe left or right, ultimately. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, Stephen, what a, what a rascal. Do you know I mean, what just is, throwing you, you know what <laughs> He messaged me afterwards and he actually, I think he went on the Happy Hour podcast a few weeks ago and I was speaking about it. So when I got home, he DM'd me and basically apologized. And he was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> He's not even a side man um, as well. He's not one of the side no, men. No, but I think what, <laughs> then he explained, he's like, what basically what happened? He had a set, number of uh, chat up lines and yeah. he was trying to think of who to give the different chat up lines to and he knew that that one was the most brutal so he asked the guys he was like like who should i give it to and i think jj ksi said to him give it to Els because she'll be able to take it so that's why he did that that you, chat honestly, up line to me and took it like he, a champ yeah but i think people think i'm genuinely like annoyed about it i don't know if they're trying to wind me up and they're like she goes she only goes to the gym because Stephen tries is living rent free in her head and i'm like i've been going gym for nine years <laughs> oh my. do you know because and in the moment as well do you know watching it back as well because you, you i put trying to put myself in your headspace there as well because you obviously know these every every sideman video gets you know at least two three four five million views the lower kind of yeah. lower end so you know a lot of people are going to see this and you've got to kind of compose yourself because you know the there's spot. so many eyes on it and you're on the spot and you're confronted with all these it must be so overwhelming like it must be yeah it must be i a think that's you can, you can see in my face i just like stood there with my mouth open because i was I, I was trying to compute in my head like how shall i react and then thinking of the consequences for all of my reactions so i was like the best thing to do is just try not to react so that's what i did and just did, swiped him left. <laughs> did I mean? Do you think the video did it impact you positively or negatively overall? Do you think? Definitely positively because it's nine like nine times out of ten, it probably even more than that. It's just people like winding you up, but they're not doing it in in a malicious way. They they've followed me because they obviously see me on Sidemen Tinder and they are still watching my videos. Like they're engaged because they're intrigued by you and their way of sort of showing support, I guess, is just bantering you about having a pancake ass. But for me, I don't, cause I'm, I don't really, I think it's funny. Like I personally don't care and don't really let it get to me. I just see it as them sort of supporting. So I just think it's definitely 
positively impact me since then my channel's grown so much like we're on over 100,000 subscribers before then I was on about 30,000 so it's gone up so much all of my videos are so much more engaged I feel like I've just built like a community and since yeah. then like before that I obviously loved all the videos that I was doing but I was trying to be more professional about like oh this is YouTube like I need to structure like all my videos and uh, plan what I'm doing months in advance and now I'm just like I feel like I can be more like myself and I feel like since the video because I have more support from people I'm able to just be more experimental with what I do and just do more sort of light-hearted fun videos where like last night I did a video on youtubers dictating what I eat for a day and just things like that and I and I just have so much more fun with it because I can be myself which is great it's amazing. I mean, c congratulations mm -hmm. on 100,000 subscribers because that is Thank an unbelievable, you. unbelievable achievement. I think, Thank I mean, you. Do, you, do you set, of course, I mean, do you set yourself kind of goals as well? Like, did you think, right, because I think you've gone from one year, I think I looked at like last year, I think you were in about 25,000 subscribers and a year later, 100,000. Like, you had this massive, yeah. massive increase in, in community and and um, success in that very short amount of time. I mean, is there mm -hmm. a, certain things you said, right, I know that you recently said you got a million views on your channel as well. Congratulations yeah, again. Thank you. Um, is it, what's the next thing? Is it kind of like reaching, is it reaching 200,000 subscribers? Is it reaching X amount of million views? Like, do you, do you look at success like that or do you look at it in other ways? Um, I try, well, I'm naturally quite a pessimistic person or I'm just quite, I don't know. I just don't like setting goals because I personally, like if you would have told me this time last year, I would be on over 100,000. I would never believe you. But it's it's having it's important to have sort of my manager who's been my mentor this whole time and he's very optimistic. So even when at the start of the year he's like, right, we need to set goals. He was like, you need to you're going to get a hundred thousand by by the end of August or that. I think that was the you know it was the I think it was the sixth of August was the date we'd selected. And I was like, don't put it down because I'm never going to get that. Like, don't do it because you'll curse it. And he's like, no, I'm putting it down because you need to have stuff to work towards. Otherwise, when you when you achieve these things, it's not going to be like as rewarding. Um, so I completely forgot we'd even set that. And then I hit 100,000. I think it was in July. And then on the 6th of August, like, I got a reminder on my calendar. And then I was just like, oh, like it's so weird that at the beginning of the year, I never thought that that could even happen. And it's it's happened. It's amazing. But, I, yeah. I honestly, that's amazing. You had that kind of, you had that locked in the calendar. Like I'm going to, I'm going to hit this target by this point. Yeah. And then I think, you've gone ahead and done it. And you smashed it out of, the, out of the park. Definitely. I think for me, the one thing that I, when I started YouTube, I had some sort of hope that it would work. And I was like, I can, I know I'm going to be good at the content. Like I made sure that I was good at creating content before I even started the YouTube. Cause I just wanted to look professional from the start. And I sort of had like a vision in my head of being able to sort of put out YouTube views, uh, YouTube videos and it would get views and I'd get subscribers and things like that. But the one thing that happened by surprise alongside of the YouTube thing is my presenting career took off as well because I didn't even think about this at the start. Being on camera and being able to talk and sort of show your personality online, when brands are looking, they love that. And I think one thing... I don't know how it's happened. They've seen from my videos is that I'm quite good at talking on camera and uh, sort of like relaying a message. So I was presenting at the FIFA E-World Cup. I think it's just over a year ago now. And from that, I then got a job with the Premier League and BBC Sport and things like that. So it's just so weird because at the beginning, when I first started the YouTube, I never even considered that I would be presenting as well. So it's just kind of like 
anything in my presenting career is just like an added bonus. So I'm just super grateful for all of that. Oh, I was going to say, the, the FIFA E-World Cup finals, O2 Arena, must have been absolutely <laughs> insane as an experience. I mean, that in that kind of, yeah. you know, that kind of crowd, that kind of, um, you know, that level of, of competition as well. Like, it, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what an amazing uh, thing, again, to kind of, you know, to achieve and add to the bucket list of things that yeah. you've done in, in, in your short career thus far. I mean, it's, it's, it's prospering hugely. <laughs> I mean... Um, how's it working with the Premier League? I mean, I'm a huge football fan myself. I know that obviously you used to live in Manchester and you're a bit of a, a City fan at heart. I'm a United <laughs> fan, but we won't talk about that. Gets gets very hostile. But yeah. <laughs> but are you, um, how's it working with the Premier League? Like you, uh, have you enjoyed that experience? Yeah, it's so good. Like when I, so when I did the FIFA tournament, that was my first ever time presenting on a stage, but I didn't want to, me and my manager didn't want to tell anyone that. So when, when I got offered to do that, he was like, look, you cannot take it because you're scared and you're unexperienced or you could just take the leap of faith because I know you can do it because you you don't like to fail so I believe that you can do this so let's just accept it and I was like okay cool so I did that was the most nerve-wracking thing ever but somehow it worked and in the crowd was the um, production team that do the show that I do for the Premier League called Uncut and they then reached out to me the next week via email saying do you want to come in for a screen test and I was a bit apprehensive at first because I'm I throughout my life I've always been sort of around football been interested in it but my football knowledge wasn't or still isn't probably like the best but I'm learning and I learn quite fast I was like okay cool I'll just do it um and it's been just the funnest experience being able to meet so many different people within the Premier League and learn along the way and attend football games and just build my confidence in football and as a presenter so I'm just like uh, it's I'm just a year ago like even this time a year ago if you'd asked me that I'd be doing this I would not believe you so and it's obviously the second that season starting again in a few weeks so it's back to work but I can I I can hear I can hear in your voice as well like the kind of the the awe of like I can't believe I'm doing this like this is actually my job this is this is mad this is crazy Mm-hmm. You know, long one of the years of me playing Game Boy Color on the back of a bus on the way to France. Yeah. You know, this is this is this. You know, we've come a long way. I know, and I was I was the most shy child. Like I, I didn't speak until I went to boarding school. So eleven years of my life, everyone thought that I was just so shy. I remember I used to do violin lessons. I was terrible at violin, but my violin teacher used to say to my mum, they were like, she doesn't speak. Like, why is she so shy? My mum was like, I don't know. But I think I I, I just love to observe things and like. I like to be knowledgeable about stuff before I speak. So I think my first 11 years of my life, I was just like seeing how people act, how I could like become friends with people and things like that. And then I think as I've got older, I just become more and more confident. So it's so weird knowing how shy I was when I was younger to then making a career out of public speaking effectively. Yeah, it's I mean, just <laughs> confident, confidence in this business as well goes such a long way. Like, you know, because yeah. once you, if you get, I mean, that's what you, that's quite an interesting point you made as well about the whole presenting side of things. Like, you know, as, as someone as well, who's presented a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you have a kind of a way in front of camera that you feel with experience comes confidence and such as well. But it's, it's very strange working with, I guess you, you are that bridge between, you know, being a creator and a presenter, the fact that you can go and work with brands and deliver a message, you know, that's on brand and you can be, you know, charismatic, fun, engaging to watch. Whereas some people who, despite being hugely successful in front of camera, they are quite introvert being in their bedrooms or being at home where they're not really used to doing that, you know, kind of on a on a different level outside of their own video content, you know? Yeah, So definitely. the fact that you've kind of superseded that and kind of 
taking the next level is really rare and it's, it's great yeah. it's great to see i mean you mean during during your your career as well you must have been subject to some crazy trolling and some crazy weird comments i can only imagine i think it was recently i saw a post that you put up saying you get some you do like a q and I think you get like an enormous amount of requests about your feet and stuff like this you get, oh, you yeah. get mad stuff you got to deal yeah. with i i get trolled a lot and i I just tried to come to the conclusion in my head it's because people are bored, especially because of lockdown. I've seen a, a rise in it a lot. Um, I also think that people troll me a lot because I try to sort of have this persona where it looks like I don't care. Obviously, everyone's human, so sometimes I, I do care, but I just try and brush it off. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the feet thing is, I don't know why people have got this obsession with my feet and I don't I, I mean I made a whole YouTube video on it and I get a lot of people trolling it well not trolling they just have an opinion on it in the comments on that because I think they got the wrong impression that I have an issue with people <laughs> having foot fetishes which I don't at all I just think that everyone should be open to whatever but like I don't know why people feel the need to DM me and ask for photos of my feet because I haven't said I'm selling photos of my feet so people weird. DM me and ask for them so yeah it's it's weird so I think it's weird. a bit funny. I think it's quite, I think it's funny personally, but I've just now, I never put my, I make a conscious effort to crop my feet out of everything, Instagram <laughs> stories, photos. And there'll always be someone that comments being like, you've cropped your feet out on purpose, haven't you? And I'm like, yes, I have. <laughs> what I, that is, that's, that's extreme. Uh, but I like, but I love the fact you're like going, there's no way you're seeing them. That's it. Yeah. It's never happening. Maybe one day to kind of like, you know, one, one day if you, when, when you eventually sell your kind of autobiography, yeah you can you can you can call, put in you can call it yeah <laughs> yeah to, to guarantee sales that just whack a foot photo in there guaranteed yeah. bestseller um exactly. do you i mean calling you know, obviously Els the witch is your is your name online do you think mm-hmm. do you try and employ a level of anonymity in everything that you do to kind of have at least some control of yourself out there publicly to be honest when i'm on camera and everything that i do on youtube is completely me and i like to think that i share like a lot about my life but one thing I I, before I even before I quit my job before I started anything my mum said to me she was like just she was like share enough but don't share too much and I was like okay cool and whenever I do anything I try and keep that in my brain because there are obviously when you put so much of your life online you do need that element of having something that's like yourself so I don't really show my family or my friends that much because I'm just like, this is about me. Like, <laughs> that's not even to sound like big headed or anything, but I want it to, the focus to remain around me and my brand. So I do, that's why I do sort of, everyone asks me, my name's Ellie anyway, but like, yeah, I do try and keep, keep an element of privacy. I know it won't always be like that, but for now yeah. it's working. <laughs> no, it's crazy smart. I mean, what, I mean, one thing that, you know, I've seen that has been posted online, which is, Sometimes it, it, it regularly changes. Is your top five games of all time, Els? Mm. You know, I've I've read that there are. I've read I've read about a proposed top five games that you have. Yeah. Then it changes. Very passionate about this subject. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now that I have you on the podcast, yeah. This is the moment because obviously here on the show we love to talk about our guests' top five games of all time. So mm-hmm. this is it. This is the official the countdown. Roll. I yeah. feel like we're. On, I feel like your show's on Rinse FM, right? Yeah, I don't do it anymore, but yeah, okay. it was on Rents when I did it, yeah. This is okay. Elves the Witches, top five games of all time. You see, that was a very kind of like, it obviously was like an 80s that. kind of Enthusiastic. Thanks. My pleasure. Uh, okay, so right. I'm going to start with number five. Okay, go for it. Like, oh, they're in order. Are they, are they in order from like five to one? 
yeah but it's this is what I'm, so number five is the hardest one because there is just so many different games that you could put in number five and i feel like it's between two so we mentioned the, the getaway black monday earlier which is mm-hmm. on playstation 2 one of my favorite games because i loved just playing in london being able to run around jump over all the rooftops and things like that and it reminds me of I was playing the game whilst I was doing my GCSEs and I, instead of studying for studies, like for the exam, which I don't encourage anyone to do, I took the time to play on my PlayStation. So that was one of the games that I played. But then also I really used to love Spyro, the dragon. Mm. So it's between those two. Um, And if you made me choose, I think I would choose Spyro only because the, the amount of time that I spent playing it when I was younger. I'm just going to put that one in there. So Spyro, the dragon, and they actually remade, well, they remastered the whole game recently. So yeah, the, re- like the, best the reignited thing ever. trilogy was it? The reignited, yeah, and that was yeah, three yeah. games in one. So amazing. Bonus, bonus, three games in one. Okay, three right. So, Spyro is number it number five? five. Number yeah. four. Here we go. We got number four is The Sims, and this is because the amount of time I've dedicated to this game throughout my life, I couldn't even tell you, but it would be embarrassing. Like every weekend at school. I would go home on Saturday. I would sit down say, I would say hi to my parents. Be like, hi, how are you? I would go and sit and play The Sims for the whole of Saturday and Sunday. And then I would go back to school every week without fail. And even now, like when I, when I feel like I need to relax, I'll just load The Sims up and just start playing it. Specifically, I think I would go for The Sims 2 because it was think, out of all the four games, it's the best one. So that is my fourth favorite game of all time. I love yeah, it. I love The, the Sims. I've, the, I'm looking at a poster of The Sims right now. Like it's right I'm, in front of my face. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I can only imagine your parents at the time when you're coming home from, from the weekend, they just want to spend time with you. And you're there yeah. going, no, I've got all this stuff going on with the family right now. I need yeah, to go I mean, around The Sims. And they're thinking, games are never going to be your life. Stop staring at a screen. Now you're thinking, <laughs> now you're looking at your parents going, hey guys, I told you. Yeah, you know, exactly. This, it, it was all worth it. It was all um, worth it, all that practice. Because my mum used to, she, because as I said, she was like confused that me and my sister were both loved games so much. And during the school holidays, she would get so annoyed, and she would be like, "You need to go outside. Like it's sunny. You want curtains shut, and you're playing your PlayStation all day." At one time, she just unplugged it from the wall, and it was the worst thing ever. Because you know, back in the day, you had to actually save. The, you didn't have auto save. You had to find a save point, save the game. So she, yeah, <laughs> but now she literally will reminisce and be like. Okay, so it has come full circle, so it did pay off. And I'm like, yes, told you. <laughs> these 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 youngsters, I think it's Generation Y now these days, with all their, mm. you know, save whenever you like points. Honestly, it used to be a nightmare, okay? It used to I be know. terrible. I used to have a memory... Do you remember the memory cards for the PlayStation 1 as well? Like, they guys, were like... I was looking back, they're like eight megabytes or something now. That's how big they were. And this is megabytes, not this even is gigabytes. <laughs> it's not a memory card, it's just a card. Yeah. You know, any, any, you know... It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, okay. So you've got, that's number four. Okay. Number yeah. four. So uh, we've got The Sims 2. We've got Spyro. What's in it? Number three. Number three is one of just oh, the best game that shaped my teenage years. I think it's GTA San Andreas because I love the 90s and I feel like if I could be born and reincarnated, I would be sort of in my 20s during the 90s. And there was everything about this game I just I loved and it was such a big game as well because if you think of if you think of GTA 5 now that's San Andreas but GTA San Andreas had all three had like three islands you had you had San Andreas then you had San Fierro which is meant to be San Francisco and then you had San 
the one at the top began with V. It was meant to be uh, Las Vegas. Mm. And I just think, I don't know. I just hadn't really played a game like that before because I hadn't, I think this was one of my first GTAs. I played uh, Vice City afterwards and I just fell in love with it because I'm not very good at shooting games, but you can do the auto, like the auto aim in GTA. I loved driving games. Like I used to love driver and racing games. And this one sort of combined the fact that you could get out of your car and live your life and then get back in your car and drive around and speed around. So I just, yeah, GTA. I still play it now. I love it. Such a good game. Such mm-hmm. a good game. There was like, and there the was, music I'm... in that game oh. was just phenomenal. Well, it was it was a lot. Of, there was a lot of controversy, was it wasn't there as well around Rockstar because there was like hidden scenes that had been kind of implanted in the game that you could hack and kind of find. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, there was so. It, I think that was that was. I don't know if that's a documentary your your mum watched, but the Probably. one with Daniel, and you had all a, the cheats and stuff where they yeah. could like run around with sex toys. Because <laughs> <So weird. laughs> like, Dan, Daniel Radcliffe did this whole thing on it, and Rockstar were really like, "No, nah, we don't like this. We haven't given this the green light." But it was. I mean, even now yeah. the game the game's still causing kind of like you know a ruckus. But honestly, what a game San Andreas was. What a game. What? Okay. All right. Uh, there's only two spots left, Hells. What's, no- what's number two? Number two is uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time <sighs> on the Nintendo 64. This game is, apart from my number one game, the storyline, I just love it. And I'm really, one thing I love about games is a good theme tune. And Zelda, I could, sometimes I'm walking around now and I get, because you have to play like the songs on your Ocarina and I can remember like the combinations for the songs and what they sounded like. It just and I'll just randomly like be walking around shopping and I'll just remember some of the theme tunes in my head. Um, and I just yeah, Zelda was the first sort of big game that I played alongside my number one choice. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know um, how to explain it, but I just love it. Love the it. the uh, the fact we've, we you, you've gestured about your number one game a few times now. The the, the, it, the the anticipation's killing me here, else, okay? Yeah, there's without question. I feel like I've been very vocal about how much I love this game. Okay, my, go for my, it. My number one game is Final Fantasy VII. Oh, yes. And it is the best game of all time. No one can even tell me otherwise. Uh, it's I love everything about it. The storyline makes me cry. I have it on my Nintendo Switch now because I just love replaying it over and over again. I love all the characters. I love the theme tune I have on my phone because when I'm scared, when I'm flying in airplanes, I'll play the theme tune because it just relaxes me because it reminds me of like happier times. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this game, but I just love it so much. I could talk for ages about it. I watch YouTube videos just randomly. I think I've watched probably most of them that exist. It's, so, um, it's do you know what? It's, it's such a beautiful game i mean obviously mm-hmm. there's the remake that came out recently i'm sure you played that as well yeah great um, remake as well great they remake. did a really good job they did very different to the original um, yeah i feel like but... they're itching to change the storyline <laughs> yes yeah yeah i think the i mean the thing about the the original i mean i've said on on the show before like when it when it first came out it was at the exact point for me as well where i was kind of starting to i was in my i was in my t- my early teens i think it was when it came out Mm-hmm. And I remember it was a four discs on PS1, which alone was like, whoa, it's yeah, four massive. discs big? That's massive. And then you had um, this storyline about the, the, the Mako and, and all the kind of like the reactors and you had... How the government are draining the, the world's yeah. energy and putting people into poverty. A, it's it's still relevant. such a poignant storyline for, yeah. like for like the 90s, I think it was, although mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the 90s. And it was one of those. It was one of those games that really gripped you. It was one of the first games. Like I guess a lot of people talk about now about The Last of Us and these kind of games, which are kind of mm-hmm. like the narrative really kind of like gets under your skin and you have an emotional 
attachment to games. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII for me, 100% with you on that one. It was like the first one ever that I was genuinely invested in emotionally. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a joy riding around on the Chocobo, just going I on to this hill. Doing the no. Chocobo races, trying to get the golden <sighs> Chocobo. And the, Amazing. the first time I unleashed my first... The, the first Ifrit. Do you remember the, kind of, the first yes, kind of giant? Yes, the summons. Um, oh, the amazing. summons. Dude, like that Ifrit was just, oh, it was just, a, it was just, it was just a magnificent game. And then, so the, did you know the theme tune for, well, the, the production of the theme tune for that game was the first time they were able to put like live music into a game because before then they just sort of used that sort of computerized three different notes that you hear in Mario and things like that. And this was the first that. time they put like, they got a, obviously a live orchestra to record like all of the music, but they had an issue with fitting all of the music onto a disc because it was quite big, obviously big files. And I think that's why the game spread over so many discs. Interesting. I love that. I've learned something today. <laughs> if I go to a pub quiz tonight and that comes yeah. up, I'm on point because of Elves the Witch. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, <laughs> I think, I think that's, um, it doesn't surprise me. I think they do like concerts now around like... In, in, like I went like... to it at the Did Royal you? Albert Hall. Yeah, I cried. Oh, I'm not surprised. That is <laughs> I literally, just, I mean, as that... soon as I... Because they played... Um, it was, it's called the Final Fantasy Orchestra and they play songs from the other games as well. But because I think the remake was up, like coming up soon, they were just specializing mainly in Final Fantasy VII. And they played the song that happens when you click on the start menu and it's a harp. And they they started, it was just like one harp in the middle of the Royal Albert Hall playing the intro. And I literally, I was like, and I don't cry very often. I get really embarrassed. And I was just sat there and my eyes, and I could feel my eyes going. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then just start crying. I was like, I, if I would, I would be laughing at myself. If I could see this. I, I can, I can hear the notes. And I said, like, blum, 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's ingrained in my soul, I think yeah. forever. Um, mm-hmm. don't be embarrassed <laughs> celebrate the love celebrate yeah. it that's what it's all about um, before we let you go Els I mean mm-hmm. what a top five that was what, what does the future hold for you what are kind of the aspirations what, what's next for you um, I obviously want to keep doing YouTube growing on YouTube being someone that people can look up to sort of specifically like teenage females that can just look up to me and know that like you don't have to look a certain way or like fit into a box and things like that. I, that's all I want. If I can help at least one person, that's great for me. Um, also just sort of like having fun is the main thing. I need to find an editor because editing is just the bane of my life and it takes up so much time. Once I find an editor, I can release more videos. People always saying to me, oh, you don't, you don't upload enough because I upload once a week. So in an ideal world, I want to be uploading more content. I want to start streaming more. I've done about two streams, well, three streams this month, which is a record for me. So I want to start streaming more. Um, and then presenting wise, I just, I want to just take over the world. I want to, <laughs> I want to have like a, a regular presenting slot. I want to be just like a household name because I think that it's good to have those, both those worlds, being able to do YouTube and then presenting on the, alongside of each other. is just like, for me, it works. I don't know. As you said earlier, it doesn't work for everyone. But for me, it works. So I just want to c- continue doing what I'm doing. And then hopefully travel once all this uh, coronavirus has gone away. But but not by plane, if possible. Not oh, Yeah, teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and obviously an editor as well. They can deal with all the rendering. That's on them. Yeah. 
you have to worry about it. You can just stream and have fun instead. Exactly. Um, that's that's perfect. Honestly, it's been such a lovely um, opportunity to have you on the show here. Uh, it's been great getting to know you better, and I wish yeah. you every success for the future, Els. You know, you've taken, Thank you. you've bewitched the world, and long <laughs> yes. may it continue. Um, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. It's been great to great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, Els. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the series so you're notified when the Savage Situation is back with a new episode. And if you enjoyed it, then rate it. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Savage. Drop me a follow and be sure to share how much you enjoyed this podcast with the people around you. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. A massive thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Savage Situation podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, do as well. Make sure to check out the YouTube videos. Mention this at the beginning. We have all these videos of the, the episodes on YouTube. We also have as well highlight clips. So make sure to check it all out. Savage Situation podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, we want to grow this community as big as we can. And you guys have been so supportive so far and it's going to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. That's right, on the next one. Take care for now. Thank you and bye-bye. 